Hello and salam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today, a groundbreaking nonprofit digital newspaper which champions civic engagement, AMT, and informs and empowers diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the US and other Western countries. I'm Rifat Malik, I'm AMT's Editor-in-Chief, and today we have an interview with Rabbi Julie Greenberg on how the US's domestic struggles for racial and economic justice relate to the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Greenberg leads a congregation in Philadelphia and works as a marriage and family therapist. She's also the Climate Justice Director for the Interfaith Nonprofit Power. Here in America and in large cities like New York City and Los Angeles, we've seen, and even in Texas, um, we've seen massive demonstrations of people who are pro-Palestinian supporting the justice of the Palestinian people. Um, So why do you think this is so important for Americans to be involved in, um, even though, you know, the conflict isn't happening here domestically? I'll say, first of all, I feel pretty humble in the face of these global events. I don't have a personal pathway forward for any solution, and I don't think I'm situated to be the one who can do that. So I feel very humble. But I also see that the big moral issues are pretty clear. And to me, those moral issues could be stated concisely in that every Palestinian needs to be free. Every Jew needs to be safe. And in fact, freedom and safety depend on each other. They aren't opposite values or opposite needs. So Palestinians will not be free in the Middle East until every Jew is safe in the Middle East, and Jews will not be safe in the Middle East until every Palestinian is free. So those are the moral issues. Now, how you get from where we are, which is dire and distressing, devastating, horrendous, to that vision of safety and freedom for all, I feel, you know, as humble as the next person. I don't know. But what I do think is that staking out a wide conversation that includes Jewish safety and Palestinian liberation is really important. And I think it's important for Jews to speak to Palestinian liberation and for Palestinian to speak to Jewish safety. To me, that's that's the pathway forward I can see just on a human scale is that we have to be able to hold multiple stories, multiple truths, multiple pain, multiple needs uh, that, you know, from different peoples in any solution. We have to be able to hold bigger than just a side. So anybody who's able to narrate that whole in some way, I think is adding value to forward progress. And by contrast, personally, what I feel, you know, kind of appalled by is something like by you know Biden saying America stands with Israel but also equally appalled when I go to a art installation that names only dead Palestinian babies we have to hold more than a side more than one side or the other side because the sides aren't ever even going to get what they want unless there's a resolution that includes everybody's deepest yearnings as a people. And 
so where I feel most drawn right now is to that place that can hold the center and especially to places where sort of people can narrate each other's points of views in addition to their own. Right. Um, so kind of, you know, circling back, going back to the beginning, I mean, um, to your knowledge, uh, can you give us some historical context behind this conflict? Um, what do you believe the best solution would be? Because there is a proposed two-state solution, one-state solution. Um, yeah, how do you think that should be solved? You know, there are two peoples who both are rooted in the same land. And somehow that land has to be shared. I mean, Jewish Jewish communities thrived there for a thousand years before Rome expelled everybody um, and have not been there basically other than remnants for about 2,000 years. And Palestinians have been very deeply rooted in that land generation after generation. And at this point, all of us are pretty familiar with the history of you know, lots of mistakes have been made and lots of hurt has been caused. Everybody's hurting, everybody's grieving. And there's also the horrendous power situation of for the last 75 years, the state of Israel has wielded enormous power and has been occupying and dominating and harming Palestinians. But somehow that land has to be shared between two people. So the most promising thing was a one-state solution where, where, like I said, every Palestinian is free and every Jew is safe. And I thought we were moving towards more awareness of that kind of collective encompassing um, vision. And this has certainly disrupted that because each side, each side, so to speak, even sides within camps have retreated to their own corners and that seems less viable at this exact moment. But probably long term, there has to be a way for two peoples to share one land. And of course, within each of the peoples, there's multiple divisions and polarizations. And it's certainly not a simple um, pathway to a solution. Because, you know, you've been talking about... Um... Like a, a, sorry, a liberation for Palestinian people, keeping Jewish people safe. Um, so as a Jewish rabbi, how do you kind of separate um, the the Israeli government who is, you know, committing these atrocities from just the Jewish people? Because that's, I think, where a lot of conflict comes when you talk about, you know, Jewish people being not safe is that so many of us who were maybe not, you know, proxy to the situation, just kind of lump everyone together um, and vice versa. It happens on both sides, of course. So kind of what do you have to say to your fellow Jews about um, this kind of conundrum? Well, as you know, my fellow Jews in Israel were literally up in arms or putting down their arms and being out in the streets against the current Israeli government. There has been failure of leadership uh, really in Israel. There's been failure of leadership in Palestine. Uh, we there's, there's certainly this Israeli government has been completely self-defeating, has been very destructive both to um the well-being of Jews in the area and certainly to the well-being of Palestinians in the area. It's been a very destructive, I would even say evil government. 
And there have been huge mistakes on all sides. So in a democracy, the citizens rise up. It's up to them in that country to defeat that government that looked like it was about to happen uh, with tens of thousands of, of Israelis in the street working against Netanyahu's uh, position. And similarly in you know Palestinians in whatever area they're in need to choose their own leaders and make sure that their leaders are the leaders they want. Yeah, so... I don't know what else there is to say about that. But I think one thing that's interesting is that even though right now we're seeing a huge polarization within Jewish community over the Middle East, and we're seeing polarization uh, between, you know, supporters of Israel, right or wrong, and, you know, supporters of Palestinian liberation at any cost, we're seeing all these internal divisions amongst the different groups. But also we're seeing some really new alignments and new formations of solidarity. And that, to me, that's a promising seed of the future. We're actually seeing all sorts of ways that Jews and pro-Palestinians are working together right now. Um, Rabbis for Ceasefire, for instance, is a place where people um, in the Jewish world are calling for moving forward in a way that works for everybody, starting with a ceasefire and a return of the captives. So we are seeing a lot of polarization. We're seeing a lot of hate and a lot of distress, but we're also seeing new alignments and new forms of solidarity. Just domestically in this country, I work really closely with local imams and uh, multi-faith partners of all kinds. And you know, being in relationship is so much better than not being in relationship because you actually know about what each other's needs are. So I'm I'm based in Pennsylvania. And at one point where I am, a horrible Islamophobic event took place in my city where a pig's head was thrown into the courtyard of a mosque. And this turned up in the news bright and early on a certain day. And within an hour, our multi-faith group had rabbis, ministers, ethical humanists, um, society of friends leaders, everybody, multi-faith people standing with the imams in the mayor's office, standing side by side in our full religious gear, you know, collars and yarmulkes and robes and prayer shawls and saying, this will not be a city of hate. We stand together. And that was a moment of intense solidarity um, in just right there. And then again, when the Tree of Life murders happened at that synagogue in Pittsburgh a few years ago, immediately the imams and the ministers and the partners reached out to the rabbis and said, we want to show up for the Jewish community. And that Friday night, when the Jewish community has its prayers, we arrived for our services all across the city, and there were multi-faith allies standing outside our synagogues with big posters saying, we stand with you. And this was in the face of a hate crime of people being gunned down at prayer in a synagogue. But just those acts of caring and solidarity are, are essential. They're essential. And when we build these domestic partnerships deeply, it does give me hope for a better future because then we can work together for things like living wage and full funding for education and the current existential crisis of climate um, chaos that we've just got to act now across all kinds of divisions to address climate crisis and to move away from fossil fuels and towards renewable energy in a way that works for everybody and doesn't burden the poorest people the most. 
So these are the, you know, this is on the domestic front and our domestic movement for justice has been hugely impacted by what's happening in the Middle East. I can give you an example of just what I've been navigating in the last few days on that front, if if you want to pursue that line. Um, actually, I kind of wanted to move to, I guess, also a domestic situation or, you know, domestically, of course, um, our own president. Um, uh, many people have been covered, calling him and our government to call for a ceasefire. Um, I am probably can imagine that you want that as well. Um, but beyond that, what should be what should they be doing? You know, what should our administration be doing beyond a ceasefire? Look, I think what Hamas did on October 7th was terrible, but you have to admit it put the world's eyes back on a situation that no country was paying any attention to. And that a lot of other Palestinian nonviolent efforts to move the situation forward, led by uh, West Bank Palestinian leaders or by um, the BDS proponents, you know, boycott, divest and sanction movement had gotten no traction at all. No one had paid attention really in any significant way. It's a, it's terribly sad that, you know, murder and killing babies and grandmothers and kidnapping people is what got the world's attention. It's terrible. I mean, in my book, the world should have paid a lot more attention before there were these desperate acts saying, you know, we're, we're not just going to lie down and take this uh, being kept in a cage for decade after decade with no hope for our youth in Gaza. And at this moment, the world's eyes are on the situation. I mean, I'm no expert in solving problems in the Middle East. I certainly am not. I feel hugely humble. But there are proposals on the table from Saudi Arabia and from other, you know, credible world leaders that we that I think if you get the right people at the table could be, you know, evolved and worked with until you can satisfy the security needs of every Jew and the you know, liberation needs of Palestinians. And I don't know whether that means there's a state or there's not a state or there's one state or there's two states or I don't know what it will look like, but I, I know the moral vision is it has to work for both peoples. And you're going to have extreme elements in each camp. And there has to be leadership that can manage all the fringes and pull people together into something that can work for everybody. And I, I certainly don't, um, I, I, it's, it's, what well, it's a pretty big challenge. It's a pretty big challenge, but that's what needs to happen. Yeah, I would agree. It is a large challenge. A lot, a lot needs to happen. Um, so just kind of as my last question, um, so, you know, many human rights groups have called this conflict a genocide, apartheid, or an ethnic cleansing. Um, would you use these words to also describe this conflict and why? I would say each of the sides in this camp, the dominant sides, uh, has had genocidal intent towards the others. If you look at this, the founding of the state of Israel, and read the private papers of people like Ben-Gurion and other early founders of the state of Israel, you've got to say that, you know, ethnic removal, ethnic cleansing, I guess that's, you know, pretty much the same thing that the 
a lot of the current Palestinian leaders want, just have the state go away, have the people go away, you know? And there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of old history. There's so much hurt, so many mistakes on all sides, so many wrongs on all sides. So I would say there's pretty equal desire. In a certain way, it's wishful thinking. It's not really going to happen that all the Jews go away or that there are no more Palestinians. That's not realistic. There are two people who are deeply rooted in the same land and need to find some way to share it. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week from me and Maya. Goodbye. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at American Muslim Today. And if you'd like to read more about this story and access more digital content, feel free to check out our website, AmericanMuslimToday.com. We'll see you next week on The Muslim Viewpoint.